this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the One Thing series. We are here with our guest, Dan Butler. Thank you for being on the show, Dan. I appreciate the opportunity, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We are totally pumped to have you. Um, This episode, we are focused on support in our schools, really for our staff and our students. With this in mind, we could not think of anyone better to have on this show. And TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Dan? Thanks for that, Joe. Our guest for this episode is Dan Butler. He serves as a principal of Epworth Elementary School and has been named the next superintendent in the Western Dubuque Community School District, effective July 1. Congratulations on that, Dan. Thank Previously, you. he was the principal of Epworth and Farley Elementary School simultaneously for four years, focusing on positive relationships with all members of the learning community, high impact instructional techniques, building leadership capacity in others, and establishing successful school culture. Prior to serving as an administrator, Dan taught third and fifth grades in the Western Dubuque District, as well as serving as the baseball and football coach. In addition to his responsibilities as a building principal, Dan works as an adjunct professor in the educational leadership department at the University of Northern Iowa, where he earned his doctorate degree. Dan has served num- has received numerous awards and was most recently recognized as a finalist for the School Administrators of Iowa Elementary Principal of the Year in 2019 and 2020. He received the University of Northern Iowa Educational Leadership Legacy Award in 2018 and was a 2017 Biz Times rising star in Dubuque, in the Dubuque area. For more than six years, Dan served as a co-moderator of the Iowa Educational Chat, a weekly Twitter forum dedicated to the latest trends in education. He recently published his first book, Permission to Be Great, which we're going to talk about today, and has published various articles in Principal Magazine focused on digital leadership, literacy, productivity, and educator engagement. We will link to all of those in the show notes. Dan and his wife, Jonah, reside in Iowa with their sons, Mason and Nolan. You can read more about Dr. Butler by visiting his website, Dan P. Butler. We will link to that in the show notes as well, or follow him on Twitter at Dan P. Butler. Okay, Dan, great bio, lots of phenomenal accomplishments. You have a new book out. We want to dive into this conversation about leadership and in particular, the concept of support in schools. In your work, you dig into burnout among teachers and mismatches that contribute to it and what leaders can do to help. Regardless of the pandemic, even before the pandemic, we wanted to define support in school and support school leaders and teachers. What ideas do you have for school leaders to really do that type of support, provide that type of support to teachers and other staff to minimize stress, reduce burnout, but also to hold a standard of excellence at the same time? It seems so hard and a lot of leaders find it to be counterintuitive. Tell us about it. 
Great question, big question. And um, we could talk for days about this, which it's, it's that important, right? So I think about support, particularly in the divisive culture that we're kind of living in right now in schools where public schools are getting questioned here, this way and that. And um, one thing that I think about, and we'll talk about these different mismatches between the worker and the work environment, but I think about getting really clear, this is at the foundational level of like our values, individual core values, what we stand for, what we believe in, what we hold dear in our hearts. And then also doing that work at the building level, at the district level of being incredibly clear about what matters most to us. What are those core values, those things that are defining like why we exist and how we behave, right? And the more aligned that we are as individuals with the organization, the better off that we're going to be, that we're going to be doing really good work. So that's a very proactive approach. And I think so many of the approaches that we're talking about of providing support seem to be reactive in nature. Like, oh man, it's really tough. I'm really worn down. I'm burnt out and I'm struggling. And then we throw, okay, we'll just do some yoga and just do some meditation. Well, at that point, you know, it, that's not helping me or just take some time off. Well, that's not helping me. But I think critically getting down to truly what do we stand for? What do we believe in? What do we hold deep in our hearts as individuals and as a school, as a district in our organization and making decisions, writing policy, following policy that are directly in line with those values. When we're clear on that, we're going to be in a much better place. And if we're out of alignment with those values, it kind of feels weird and not good, right? But I think so many individuals and organizations kind of miss the mark by not being incredibly clear about those things that they hold dear in their hearts. So that's a start. So let's dig into that a little bit, Dan. I, I don't think... TJ and I would disagree with that at all. How do you start digging into that work? Because even that in it itself, right now you start talking about values, things of that nature to people, they may understand it cognitively, mentally. But a lot of what we're focused on right now, what people are experiencing is, is emotional. So how do you even get them into that work? How do you get and convince them, you know what, this is something we need to do because once this is done, then everything becomes clear because I'm not sure people can even see past that right now if their emotion is blocking some of what even makes sense and we all agree is like the right thing to do. Yeah, so getting back to that and that, that that's a good uh, follow-up to that. I think about that values work is deeper and it, it, it's longer. And as I mentioned, it is proactive and it doesn't necessarily address the here and now right now in terms of providing that support. So more realistically of like, what can we do or what support can we provide is I think about this still tied into values of like all of the things that educators are being asked to do. Whether you're a teacher, a paraprofessional, you're an administrator, you're a principal, you're a superintendent, whomever. Our proverbial plates are full and things continue to be added to that plate and literally nothing's getting taken away. So as an administrator and as a leader, as someone with influence, what things are absolutely necessary that need to stay? This is essential. We're, we're not going to even negotiate that. That needs to stay. We need to do this. But then what are the things that maybe don't fit our path? They don't fit our values. They don't fit our mission let's get rid of it. 
let's take some things away. So people of influence, what are those things that we can remove? Is it different pieces of curricula? Is it different procedures that are sucking up time? Are there better ways of doing things? I'm not sure, but people of influence need to continue to ask that question. What can go away? And is it fitting our value system? If we tie that in, I think that's a simple practice that we really need to engage in, but how often do we do that? Not very often. We just try to make it through the day. Dan, can I add a layer to that too and then get you to comment on it? A lot of times when people ask what things can be taken away, can be removed, we're at a loss. Because like you start talking about IEP meetings, you know, key instructional practices, uh, the curriculum review cycle, and you, you pile all these things on and you're right, like it's way too much, but then folks um, can't see what it is that they can remove. So I add the added layer I want you to comment on is um, what things don't work or what things aren't working the way we want them to uh, instead of just doing that inventory, but actually kind of what's effective. I mean, because I, I imagine that that's in alignment with your two essential questions, which I wrote down and love. Yeah, um, it, it, definitely. It, it, it's hard. It, it, it's hard because to me, it's about priority. And one thing about that, it, it, it's, it's about mindset as well. And thinking about what is absolutely essential? What is priority? Because if everything's a priority, then nothing is. And I think about that kind of the Eisenhower matrix, if you will, right? So urgent and important, and then important, not yet urgent. Urgent um, and not important and not important and not urgent. So thinking about that quadrant addressing, okay, what's urgent and important right now? Those are the first things that we've got to tackle and we've got to take care of, okay? Right now, it's there's time sensitive, et cetera, do that, right? Okay, but then what about those things that are important but they're not yet urgent, okay? We can't forget about those things, things that are like a couple months down the line, a month down the line, a couple of years down the line or whatever, but are we taking steps to address those things? But many times there are things that I feel are not urgent, nor are they important, but we're still doing them. Why? <laughs> Get them off your list. Get them off your list completely. Not even, I'm not even talking delegation. No, just stop doing them. If they're not important and they're not urgent, get rid of it. So something that we do within our staff is we will go through different tasks and different lists and whatever, especially when we're running into difficult times. Is this important? Is this urgent? No, no. Okay, we're, we're not going to do this unless our supervisor is telling them, my superintendent saying, Dan, you are going to do this. Okay. Well, now it became important, I suppose. But then also thinking about as an individual, okay, what is urgent, but not important necessarily to me? It needs to be done, but it's not necessarily important. Okay, can I delegate that? Can I delegate that to someone? Because here's a little reframe on delegation, in my opinion. Thinking about delegation. If I continue to do all the work myself, I'm robbing someone else that could do that work of a leadership opportunity. Let me give you an example. So like scheduling 
is can be a thing that I don't see as super important, but at times it can be urgent. Okay. My secretary, Kelly, is a scheduling whiz. She can see things that I can't very, very well. Now, if I just take that and continue to do that, I'm robbing her of utilizing her talent and a lead, an opportunity for her to lead and develop and build her capacity. So I think about those things, and it's a little bit of a process of going through that Eisenhower matrix of thinking about urgent and important, you know, important, not yet urgent, those types of things and putting labels on stuff and then coming up with prioritized lists of what really does need to be done. But it's putting some, uh, some conversation around that because guys, you and I both fully know there's too much to do and there's not enough time to do it. End of discussion. Or there's too much to do and there's not enough resource to get it done. Yeah, we often say there is simply not enough time to do all we need to do at the end of the day. And so it is just a, a truth, no doubt. Dan, you just said, if I do all the work myself, I deny someone of a leadership opportunity. Totally agree with that. It's profound in many ways. Um, you've mentioned delegation. You've also touched on things like time management and really seeing, I think what I hear you saying, the scope of the organization, right? Like what really matters to us? What are our values? And then ensuring alignment um, with all of that. You know, in our world, that's something that you learn, you grow into, and really has a level of professional maturity. Um, and that helps us segue into our, our next session. Um, is there a person, an individual, or a group that you follow, that you read um, for knowledge or inspiration um, that kind of helps frame a lot of the thinking that you just shared with us? Yeah, th there is. And uh, a person that I really follow, he's a great follow on Twitter, is Tim, Tim Kite, okay? And his company is the Focus, Focus 3. We, we ran a podcast, Focus 3 podcast. Uh, I believe he's at Timothy Kite um, on Twitter. He will tweet some pretty profound stuff on a daily basis. I really enjoy how Tim, and for a while, his son, he and his son, Brian, worked together, um, how they define culture. Because all of the things that I'm talking about in Permission to be Great, about reducing burnout and building engagement, it's about creating great culture, you know, establishing values, all the work that we just talked about in the previous little bit there. It's about establishing great culture. But the way that Tim Kite defines culture is this. It is belief, the collective beliefs that we hold, our behavior, how we choose to behave in alignment with those beliefs, and then the experience, the experience that we deliver to others and the experience that we receive in return. Belief, behavior, experience, that's culture. So. Tim Kite is someone that I love the clarity, the complex simplicity that he puts around culture, because I think so many times culture is this elusive thing that we, we know it when we feel it and all that, but like, really, what is it? Belief, behavior, experience. And I think that's wonderful. I think that's really brilliant. So he's a great follow and someone that I really look up to. That's great. We'll link to him in the show notes as well. Um, so that everybody can get those nuggets of wisdom. Um, what's one thing, Dan, that you think people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life? 
This is quite simple and it might be the most boring answer you've ever received, but it's exercise. It is physical activity. It is getting into a, a physical activity routine, um, preferably in the morning because it creates a quick win in your brain that you've accomplished something really important. But I think about physical activity for obviously the physical benefits that you receive from that, you know, increasing your, um, your, your, your fitness and just feeling better and all of that kind of thing. But then also even more importantly, even more significant is the mental gains, the mental clarity, and just the, um, the probably the best antidepressant that you could ever have is exercise. And, you know, there's been pre many, many studies about that, of looking at a group taking antidepressants, a group that exercised and a group that did nothing. And the people that exercise maintained that mental health for much longer. So I think getting in a regular, uh, consistent exercise routine is phenomenal. Simple, yet phenomenal. Dan, uh, the Schoolhouse 302, TJ and I really started on the trails of White Clay Creek running. We were just friends and colleagues and kind of had a rule where some people say you can't talk about work. Our rule was we talked about work. It was a way in which we could, you know, exercise, discuss things in a mindset of iron sharpens iron. Do you have a go-to exercise? I, I, when I'm at my best, I'm running, whether I'm hitting the trails outside, hitting the, hitting the streets outside, in the, in the cold in the Iowa winter, hitting the treadmill inside, that, that's my thing. That's where I go to just doing some good stretching and doing some good running is, uh, that's where it's at for me. Yeah, we totally appreciate that. And I get it. I mean, I used to tell people all the time when, you know, and unfortunately not as much as an avid runner as I once was, um, I told people it was probably the only exercise that could match my mental exhaustion and where I wanted to feel physically exhausted. And I enjoy that though. That's one of the few exercises that really can break you down in a good way and just feel great at the end. Like, you know what? That was awesome. And I don't know, but I never want to experience running in the Iowa cold. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> <laughs> It's real. <laughs> so Most definitely. So Dan, as we break this down a little bit, you know, you're, you're becoming a superintendent. You obviously possess the leadership skills. You've now authored a book. I'm really impressed with the fact that you were responsible for a couple different things at the same time, running two different schools. I mean, none of that's easy. And I think that speaks, though, to the world we live in now within education. And this doesn't have to be solely professional, but is there something, one thing that you want to know or be able to do that you don't already? You know, I, I don't, I, I feel that I know how to do this. However, I'm not satisfied with the level in which I do it. So, the thing that I would like to do and to do better is obviously in our line of work as leaders, we're going to need to have difficult conversations with people and tell them what they need to hear as opposed to what they want to hear daily, sometimes hourly, depending upon your circumstance and whatever. And if we're not doing that, we're not doing the real work. And if we're not having conflict around issues, we're not doing the real work. But here's where I want to continue to learn, grow, and get better is when having these conversations and engaging in difficult situations is to always leave people with their dignity and keeping their respect 100% intact. 
And I think that is a skill, that there is a sweet spot when you're telling someone some difficult news. And granted, it, it's going to, there, there's emotion, but they're saying thank you because we're getting better together. And it, 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 it's hard, but I hope I'm making a little bit of sense of like, there is a, a sweet spot of being able to engage in real dialogue, real challenging dialogue, but keeping people's dignity 100% intact. And um, you can go, any of us can deliver bad news. Anybody can do that. And they can do that in a non-dignified way, a very, you know, just short way, whatever. And you're leaving a person feeling pretty lousy and then behavior doesn't change. And you can also skirt the issue and just sweep it under the rug. No, there's a sweet spot of doing that, having hard conversations, but doing so with dignity. I hope that makes sense with what I'm trying to convey there, because I do feel there's a sweet spot. Well, you're speaking our language, Dan. I mean, that's for sure. That's the whole reason why we wrote the book, uh, Candid and Compassionate Feedback. And it's a lot of the models that we build around those conversations. What's really important, I think, for leaders to take away from that, though, is that candor and feedback and communication are skills. And so I, what I'm getting from what you're saying is I can continue to work on those skills. I can continue to improve those skills so that I can get better at that as a leader. And that's important. I think sometimes we leave that to chance um, or we think we get better at it in practice, which is true, but we need to study it as a concept like anything else um, in leadership. And so, yeah, there's the breadth of of, of literature on those topics and the number of trainings we can send people through is important too. But yeah, candor, communication, and compassion all at the same time. I love that and answer. I, I think we never arrive either. And um, I just think we're always looking, as you mentioned, TJ, we're just looking to continue to refine and sharpen our skills in that area. And I don't think it's ever going to be, yep, I got it, you know, but we can look, wow, wow, look back five years ago where I was and where I am now in terms of having these conversations and having this candor in a dignified way, I'm feeling a lot better about that. So yeah, it's something that we just continue to refine and sharpen. And I, I, I'll say this as a last point on this topic, Dan, and then ask the next question. I really do agree with you that there's a sweet spot. Leaders out there listening, there is a place where you can give people critical feedback, not criticism, but critical feedback to help them grow in a way that changes their practice and they thank us. So I think that you we, we fall into this trap of thinking that we're going to give people critical feedback and it's going to feel bad, and that doesn't have to be true. Dan, this, this question, our people pull their pens out and they write down, they take notes in their phone because they want resources. They want to know the books and podcasts that great leaders listen to and read and the places that people go for their own growth. What's one thing, and you can give us as many as you want, that led to or continues to your sport and your growth as a leader that others might be able to replicate. And we're looking for anything you might say about practices, books to read, podcasts, resources. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give a shout out to a podcast that I listen to that helps me learn, grow, and get better. And it's actually my colleague puts this on, Greg Detmeyer. Greg Detmeyer serves as the instructional coach within my building at Epworth Elementary School. And he started a podcast called the School Talk Podcast, 
about five years ago. He used to be called the Instructional Coaching Corner. He's recently rebranded re that to the School Talk. Talks about all things related to leadership, maybe guided reading. Maybe he talks about positive psychology, anything under the sun related to education and how to get better. But um, just very proud of Greg and uh, the topics that he's dug into, the research that he's gathered, and then his co-host, Jenny Hillebrand. They've done wonderful work with that. And I don't say that simply because Greg is my colleague and friend. It's also very top shelf, very practical stuff. You will listen to that. You'll do two things when you listen to that podcast. You will, you will learn and you will laugh, guaranteed. So it's taking leadership topics and um, very serious content, but then putting some humor around it as well. So that's a great podcast that I really enjoy listening to. Another podcast that I really enjoy is the work of Pat Lincioni. And it's called the, the, the uh, At the Table, the Table Group Podcast with Pat's group. And that's all things related to organizational health. I'm big into culture, all right? I'm big into culture and organizational health. And Pat and his group do a great job of talking about those things, really getting clear and uh, developing clarity within your organization. Now, coupled with that, the advantage, his book, one of Pat Lencioni's books, uh, is, is tremendous. It is basically the playbook on developing excellent culture and excellent clarity within your organization by going through a series of how do we, what do we stand for? You know, what are our, our core values? What matters most to us? Anything written by Pat Lencioni, I'm going to read. I, I think he's just absolutely phenomenal. It's more of a business lens. However, it ties very closely with um, education and educational leadership for sure. Uh, there's one more book that I'd like to throw out, and it's a kind of a timeless truth cla classic, in my opinion, and it's called The Leadership Challenge by James Cousas. I think Cousas, I'm saying the, the last name correctly, and Barry Posner. I think they're on their about sixth edition, and uh, maybe the, the original was published in 1984, but very timeless truth in terms of leadership behaviors, establishing beliefs, expectations, and um, what excellent leadership looks like. So those are some of my go-tos that I like, but I really, one of my core values individually is, is learning. I'm a learner. I love to consume and talk about different things, whether through podcasts or books or whatever that happens to be. That's excellent, Dan. We will reference all of them. And a couple things that I can see just straight out of the gate is it's the practical application, right? I think that's why people like Pat Lencioni, you know, the fable driven, you know, the stories, the relatable, we all have them. You know, if you're in education and you don't understand the power of stories and you might be in the wrong business. So his work resonates with us. I agree the leadership challenge, the work of, uh, of those gentlemen is also powerful and we'll definitely check out um, school talk. I mean, great to hear that. Always looking to support fellow educators and getting the word out. Um, that's really how TJ and I, like I said, on the trails of White Clay Creek, this was never an intentional idea. It's more, you know what, this is about support. That's why we have people like you on this show. People need to hear your message, hear what you're doing, and what, you know, your leadership is all about. So we appreciate that. And final thoughts, for this podcast, what's one thing that you used to think that you don't think anymore? I think as leaders, we all do this. And it's been a while since I thought like this, but I think early on, and I, I'm going to be making a transition to a new position here in a couple of months. And there's this little voice in my head 
And guys, I was just offered the position last week. We're like a week off, hot off the press here. So my mind is starting to fill. Like, how do I finish this principal and still prepare for a superintendent? But the, this is triggering in my mind right now is like, I used to think I, I had to have all the answers as the leader of the building. I needed to know everything. And, and like, I, like I said, that, that thought is kind of creeping into my head as superintendent. I used to think that I had to have all the answers. Now, I know that it's about collaboration. It is about empowering others around me. It is about utilizing the people, the human resources within my sphere to help to support and improve the entire system. And that's where I get some of those thoughts about delegation and um, creating leadership capacity within, within others. It is something of just letting go and knowing, trusting other people to get things done and live within their skill sets. So that has changed for me over the years. And I think every new leader has those feelings of somewhat I've got to prove myself and I've got to let everybody know that I am fit. I'm the person for the job and I need to really step up and prove myself. And yes, there's certain skill sets. You got to know, you got to have some skills, but also you're not in it alone and you're never going to be. We are in a people business. It's about collaboration. It's about support. It's about empowering others and creating more leaders. That's where my mindset has changed, particularly within the last, I would say about seven years. It's great wisdom to end with too. And I like the thing about you're not alone. I think a lot of times, especially when we have those value conflicts that you talk about in the book, even if that personal value is conflicted with the organization, we sometimes can feel more and more alone when that happens as leaders. And the higher up you go, the worse it gets in terms of having that as a burden. And so just reminding leaders that you're not alone. There's allies out there, find them, reach out. Um, and when you're feeling that, spread the spread it don't don't um think scarcity think abundance so thank you for that dan this has been fantastic i you know a compressed amount of time a lot of wisdom a great book um lots to link to in the show notes we always say it joe leadership might be complex but it doesn't have to be complicated i think dan has really done a good job of distilling some some nuggets of wisdom and takeaways. Dan, is there anything else that you would like to add for our listeners today? Something we didn't ask about the book or something that you wanted to say for anybody listening who wants to uh, lead better and grow faster? Well, first of all, I'm just incredibly appreciative of the opportunity, TJ and Joe. Thanks for having me. I, I love the topic. I just love talking leadership and digging into, I love the one, the one thing type of frame that we we're throwing out and going through. I just, I, I like that people want practical and um, they want to take complex and make it simple. And I think there's another sweet spot is taking complex things and making them simple for, um, and that doesn't mean watering down, but what I would say to the listeners is this, you're not alone. Okay. And we're, we're working. I don't care where you are in schools right now. You are experiencing challenging times. We all are. You're not alone. Okay. Reach out rely on your colleagues and together we can do this. We can do this thing and we will. And uh, it's a, just a matter of believing in one another and utilizing the people around you. So you're not alone. We're here for you. There you have it. Another great podcast. Don't forget to follow our blog at the schoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs, always on the topic of leadership. 
And we hope you enjoyed this podcast with Dr. Dan Butler, One Thing series on how school leaders can be supportive yet maintain great culture, permission to be great. That's for everyone out there and so much more with Dan Butler. Thank you so much for being on the show, Dan. Thanks again, you guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And best of luck, Dan, your new role. It's great. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep. A good night's rest. Self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about, you know, getting a good night's sleep. But, you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend Ghost Bed, our sponsor, with 30,000 plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a hundred and one night at home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic uh, support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com. You get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use SH302 at checkout. Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out ghost bed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow. That's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral. If you get somebody else a good night's sleep, better sleep for you, better leadership, ghostbed.com. You can't beat it. Ghostbed.com.